0: All right, I want to welcome everybody to uh, another edition of the uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. This is your host, Brother Nick Bailey, coming to you live today from uh, the United Baptist Church Auditorium. On this Friday, TGIF, thank goodness it's Friday, October the 28th, two thousand. excuse me, October 29th, 2021 as the next time we're with you it will be the month of november and boy we're excited about a busy busy month of november we'll get more into more of that later on in the broadcast but uh, again it's been a wonderful month of october but um, all good things must end That I want to happen, whether it be in this life or in the next life. But you know, the most important thing we ought to be looking for were two the number one priority of our lives as human beings, but especially as Christians. And what ought to matter more to us than anything else is to uh, know that when it's all said and done, we have no regrets. We have the attitude of the Apostle Paul when he said that I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. And most of all, when we look into the eyes and upon the face of our Savior, when we kneel down at His feet and thank Him for saving our wretched souls, just to hear those words, well done, thou faithful servant. I believe that more than anything else. Um... Hearing Him say, well done, will cause us to know that it's been worth every mile of the trip. Amen. Hope you enjoyed that song today. I do want to welcome you again to Friday's edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Program. And uh, boy, it has been such a wonderful month. Again, this is, we're finishing up, we're wrapping up today our first month of this program. And uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that I could have ever imagined you know, um, all that God would do uh, in my own life, hopefully in the lives of others as well. But, uh, you know, I, I could have never imagined uh, just how uh, this broadcast would radically change my life. And may I say to you that it is His broadcast and not mine. He's the one that give gave uh, me the vision for it. And uh, because it's His broadcast, Uh, he's the one who gets all the glory out of it. So I want to thank the Lord publicly today for giving us the vision, opening the door of opportunity, and giving us the ability to come out here every day and prepare uh, and perform these daily uh, programs. I'll say this, I do covet your prayers as I work diligently to uh, get ready for these daily uh, broadcasts. It is no small task uh, doing the study and the prep work that is required to make it happen uh, that's the number one reason why I move forward and pulled the trigger on the trumpet series is to encourage myself and to hold myself accountable uh, regarding my own bible study and boy has it ever paid off and I can tell such a difference in my own attitude and demeanor and I've had other people make comments along the same lines but friends it's not easy and uh, i'm not trying I'm not uh, looking for your sympathy today but I've got plenty of other irons in the fire and plenty other things that I could be doing, and the devil often tries to tell me I should be doing and need to be doing rather than uh, put the time and effort that's required to make these uh, programs a reality on a daily basis. But I don't want to get distracted. I want to be faithful. I believe that one of these days when I stand before God, I'm going to give an account unto Him. So would you please make that a matter of prayer? Don't forget just by way of announcements, Again, the Hope for America rally scheduled uh, a week from tonight, November the 5th, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. right here at United Baptist Church. Hope for for America rally. Brother Greg Locke, Brother D.R. Harrison will be preaching for us. And of the day, we'll be doing the singing. And friend, if you know what's going on right now in your country, you're going to do everything within your power to support this Hope for America rally. Uh, Our nation is on the brink. She's a, she's a sinking ship, and you and I who are saved, we Christians, uh, as they want to refer to us, and I'm not ashamed of it, uh, you know, I, 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 I proudly wear that badge. Uh, I am a, a Christian nationalist, but I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so, to look up on YouTube... I'm sure you can see it in other platforms. It was a CBS production, CBS News production, entitled The Uncivil War, uh, The Great Divide uh, of the evan- Evangelical Movement. You need to look that up. And in that broadcast, and it's just liberal propaganda, liberal and left- leftist propaganda against uh, traditional Americanism, and most of all, uh, Christian nationalism and in that, bro- that, that uh, program um, we who identify ourselves as patriots and American Christians we are blamed for the January 6th uh, riots the storming of the Capitol they refer to uh, they said it's an un- undeniable fact that uh, uh, violent White, obviously they, they, they had to use the race card. Violent white Christian nationalism played a prominent role in the January 6th riots. So we're the target, we're the enemy. They view us as terrorists, and they're coming after us, and you, you better get ready for that. So I want to encourage you to tune in and, and go watch that YouTube broadcast, CBS uh, uh, News uh, program. Uh, entitled, uh, The Uncivil War, The Great Divide That Exists in the Evangelical Movement. So you need to look that up and it'll enlighten you. Uh, Don't forget the uh, art community revival that's scheduled uh, November the 15th through the 19th, Monday through Friday at the Crescent School Venue. Uh, Crescent School Auditorium located here in Greenville. Services will take place... At seven o'clock each night, we'll have we've got a great lineup of preachers scheduled. It'll all culminate on Friday night with uh, Brother Mike Sage, pastor of Freedom Baptist Tabernacle in Adkins, Virginia. He'll be delivering the message. It's a youth emphasis night on Friday. Uh, but again, we're coming together uh, to seek revival uh, for our community. Again, uh, the Art Community Revival. Uh, November 15th through the 19th, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock p.m. at Crescent School. Uh, Also, the art banquet will be the 20th of November, also at Crescent School, the first annual art banquet. We're putting all kinds of effort into this banquet, trying to make it a success. Uh, Again, there's going to be a catered meal. Uh, There's going to be a ministry presentation, an update of the art ministries. There's going to be a silent auction, and then there's going to be a, a, a fundraising drive to generate uh, resources on behalf, financial resources on behalf of the ARC ministries. That ARC banquet will be at Crescent School. It's going to take place at 5 o'clock p.m. You can purchase your tickets uh, at the ARC thrift store, or you can see myself, Dylan Bailey, Josh Cutchall, Jason Hensley, any of us uh, can provide you with your tickets and your reservation for the Ark Banquet. They're $10 for adults, $5 for children, and kids three and under get in free. So remember the Ark Banquet. Uh, we need to go to the Lord in prayer. I want to ask you to remember a lady by the name of Samantha. God knows who she is. Uh, uh, dear friend of Miss Pat Price, uh, Samantha's life hangs in the balance. And we need to remember this lady in prayer, a lady by the name of Samantha. Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for another opportunity we have to uh, come to you. Uh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for allowing us, Lord, to successfully complete um, uh, an entire month here on the uh, Trumpet Series program. Lord, I pray, uh, Father, that you would bless us. I pray that you would help as this uh, uh, ministry continues to go forth. And Lord, I pray today that you would use your word, God, to challenge and encourage the hearts of your people. Uh, I pray that it would be delivered, not through the flesh, but through the strength and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Father, I pray, God, that You would uh, use Your Word, God, to um, uh, draw us all closer to Thee. And Father, Lord, I pray, God, that Your Word might be a lamp to our feet and a light in our path, that we'd hide Your Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Thee. Honor Your Word, exalt Your Son the humble servant. God, if there might be one today that's lost, save them before it's too late. God, give me the unction that I need to preach uh, the truth of God's Word and power, uh, Lord, and not through the flesh and through the mere words of men. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. praise you for what you're going to do in advance, amen, and amen. Yesterday, we finished up a very in-depth section of chapter 3 as Paul waded out into some very deep water and spoke concerning the subject of God's judgment and justice uh, upon man and over his sins. Forgive me for the the camera. I thought that I'd I'd pretty much gotten into the routine of making that adjustment. But uh, again, just forgive me for that error. But in yesterday's study, we talked about the great purpose God has for our lives, that is to bring glory to His name through every situation we face. And go through, but then we also highlighted the fact that God will still be a hundred percent just and righteous, if uh, to allow every single sinner who rejects Him to die and go to hell because of unbelief, and even if nobody uh, received Christ, and even if uh, the sacrifice of Jesus was was a waste as it relates to the salvation of sinners, yet still God would have would be totally and perfectly just. And righteous to step out of the way and and let man uh, uh, fall off the cliff and run down uh, the hill to hell on a rail, so to speak, like a freight train out of control, God would be 100% right to let every man go to hell, uh, amen, uh, because of his decision to reject uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, May I remind you today, God doesn't send anyone to hell. Man chooses to go to hell by his own free uh, uh, voluntary choice and effort. So uh, again, we also highlighted the fact that God, uh, amen, again, like I said, He's going to get the glory out of everything. Even in the condemnation and damnation of sinners, and that's hard for us to grasp, but yet when highlighted uh, up against the the holiness and righteousness of and uh, justice of God, in a sense, the condemnation of sinners brings glory to the name of the Savior. Not that He gets glory in our sin. Not that He, uh, not that he uh, uh, takes any pleasure in the damnation of the wicked. No, my friend. But it's all about God's glory. Today, I don't want to waste any time getting into the study because I'm really excited about it. We're entering into some verses that most of us will find to be somewhat familiar to us. Uh, we'd have to consider Paul's writing here in the middle part of Romans chapter 3 to be amongst some of the greatest and most classic Scripture that is found in the entire Word of God. And really everything Paul has wrote about, at least from the end of chapter 1 all the way through uh, the entirety of chapter 2 and on through the first part of chapter 3, it's all, uh, it all serves sort of as a build-up to this middle part of chapter number 3, we might refer to this section uh, of chapter number 3 in Paul's letter to the Romans as the pinnacle, the peak, and the climax of this section Paul is using to establish the reality of the awfulness of man's sinful and depraved condition that exists uh, in the sight of a holy God. And as we said at the beginning of this section of our study, before Paul could ever deal with the opportunity God has provided for man uh, and the opportunity that exists for man to be made righteous, uh, Paul must first lay the groundwork, the framework, and the foundation uh, by establishing first the reality uh, uh, and the gravity of man's sinful and depraved state. So that's what he's been doing uh, for a chapter and a half now, and it all leads up to these wonderful yet... Uh, dreadful, frightful and terrifying verses that are found in the middle part of Romans chapter number 3 well let's begin by noticing verse number 9 and exclusion what then are we better than they know in no wise and this goes back to the comparison that Paul's making uh, making sure that he includes everyone whether it be the Jews, the Gentiles uh, that that all uh, are included in his words and we're all guilty before God and that None of us have an excuse. Amen. We stand guilty before God. There's no excuses uh, because of who we are and what God's done for us and the the revelation that we've received, whether it be through the Word of God, the goodness of God, the law of God, the conscience of God, and even the identifying marks we have, uh, amen, not by way of the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of our own hearts. God, uh, Paul here is just reaffirming and he is just reemphasizing the fact that God is no respecter of persons. The Lord is not biased. He is not prejudiced. He's not discriminatory and He simply does not show any preference or favor to any of His creatures. In His eyes the Lord sees us all equally and in the same way. Amen. Aren't you glad today that the ground's level at the foot of the cross? What God has made available for one man He has (laughs) Uh, made available for all men, the way God sees any man is the is the way He sees every man in the exact same way and light. And God doesn't see us, uh, and God does not view uh, humanity upon uh, creed, code, race, position, distinction, power, popularity, prestige, wealth, fortune, or fame. But in God's sight, He lops, He lumps all men into the same. Uh, Basket puts them all in the same boat and he views them all equally and in the same way. Why? Because of the sight of a holy God, one man is not any better than any other human being. Alright, so what's the conclusion that, God, that Paul makes? And what is uh, the, 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 the proverbial nail that Paul is trying to drag home? And that is a conclusion that he makes and uh, that he confidently believes himself to have proven it over the the last chapter and a half, verse number 9, where he says, by way of conclusion, for we have before, or or, uh, by way of the things we've just written and, and established and determined as indisputable and undeniable facts, he says, we have before proven, both Jews and Gentiles, amen, that they are all under sin. And you ought to underline that phrase, they are all under sin. That's the conclusion that Paul's drawing. That's the the nail that he's trying to drive home. Uh, That's the summary he's trying to give. Uh, Again, the overall thrust of the entire section, this entire, uh, so far, chapter and a half, and and eventually uh, uh, over two chapters of Scripture, the book of Romans, first three chapters of the book of Romans, the fact that the objective of the entire portion of Paul's writing beginning at the uh, at the end of chapter 1 continuing through chapter number 2 and on through the majority of chapter number 3 is to establish the undeniable and indisputable fact that humanity itself in every way shape or form is in itself entirely and inherently sinful. And Paul's going to continue to pound this point home and expound uh, on this thought uh, important and powerful point throughout the next several chapters of the book. Why? Because he knew, Paul knew something we must all must be perfectly clear on and aware, entirely aware of in our own lives, is that before man can ever be made righteous by God, he must must first view and see himself as being inherently bad, evil, and sinful. Amen. Don't get me wrong. That is not. Pleasant, it's not popular, and it certainly does not uh, fit into the the, the fabricated view that, that man has created, this false idea that man has uh, perpetuated in his own mind, and it is ca- carried over through his own foolish fancies, his own uh, vain imaginations, and his own devil doctrines, uh, and has permeated the modern day religions, religious scene that elevates man and, uh, and portrays and presents man as being inherently good or of a va- a value and in some case an object that is worthy and deserving of worship. And that we all know and that's something we, uh, that we pointed out earlier in the study is that man has a tendency to worship himself. And the doctrine of humanism and elevi- evolutionism Uh, I devolution, not evolution, but uh, uh, humanism, evolutionism, naturalism, modernism, all of these man-made isms and schisms, these devil doctrines, to where um, a man is portraying and presenting himself uh, in an elevated way and and brings himself uh, to an equal status uh, on the same uh, plane as... God is. But never forget this, friend. Before a man can ever be brought up, he must first be brought low. And he must see himself for what he really is. Uh, Again, a worthless, no count, good for nothing, filthy, rotten, hell bound, wicked, depraved sinner that doesn't deserve anything, not even the time of day from a holy God. Now you're not going to hear that in the uh, mega church. You're not going to hear that Amen. Through the prosperity gospel. You're not going to hear that by the social gospel. Uh, and uh, again, modern day religion wants to present man as being inherently good when in reality man is anything but good as, it is de- as his description is provided uh, for us here in the book of Romans. And if you're never able to settle the fact in your mind of man being inherently evil, If you're never able to view yourself and see yourself as God sees you, nothing good about you. Amen. You have no worth or value to God on your own and without Christ. You won't even be a candidate to be saved and be made righteous in God's sight. Jesus said it best in and through His own ministry when He brought this point out. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners and repentance. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Paul said that... uh, Uh, That Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Amen. Uh, They who are uh, righteous need not repentance. Amen. But they who are sinners. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. You are lost. And and, And we'll say this later on in today's study. Two words that can be used to describe and characterize man's condition without God and apart from Christ. Amen. He's broken. Man is broken. And man is lost. Man's not good. Man's not sick. Can I say it like that? Man is lost and man is broken. Amen. Man needs to be cleaned up. Man, uh, uh, Man's dirty. Man needs to be... Uh, well, maybe we could use the word sick to describe man amen man needs to be healed man needs to be found manly it needs to be changed man is wrong man is bad man needs uh, amen something to be done for himself that he uh uh in himself cannot uh produce or replicate now there's an inclusion verse number two here's a classic statement that's found In chapter number three of the book of Romans, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Let me say that again. Let me thunder it out today. This is what needs to be proclaimed uh, from from the top of of every mountain in our world today with a megaphone. Uh, Amen. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Here we find this classic statement. Paul emphatically and dogmatically states that in the sight of Of a holy God, there is simply none that is righteous, no, not one. How many of you believe that today, friend? There is none righteous, no, not one. If God were to go about walking to and fro upon the earth looking for any man, any woman, any boy or girl that would meet His holy standard and would be able to live up to the high expectation He sets for their lives. As simply as I know how to say it, God would strike out. He wouldn't be able to find any human beings who would qualify or pass the test as being righteous. In his own eyes, man might see himself as righteous. And if he were to compare himself up against other human beings and other sinners who he views as being worse off than he is, man might be able to view or convince himself or to contrive some false idea in his own mind that he is inherently righteous and good enough to stand before God on His own merit and in His own strength, but in the sight of God and when set up and measured up against the rule and the standard, the Lord has set up for Him to be measured by regarding His own righteousness, all of humanity and the entire realm of mankind is found to have fallen desperately and terribly short. Or, as the Bible says in Daniel 5, verse 27, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. No matter what man thinks of himself, and regardless of how good of a picture he wants to paint or p- portray himself to be, uh, the cold, hard truth of the matter is that in good God's sight, and according to the standard set forth by God uh, in His Word, in order to judge man and to measure man by, according to His own goodness, rightness, and holiness, all of mankind, whether it be collectively or individually, is found to be lacking and is found to come up short. Or as Paul writes a little further on down in verse number 23 of the text, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friend, no matter what society may tell you, And regardless of what your own opinion of yourself may be in the sight of God and according to the Word of God, you come up short. You've been put to the test. You've been weighed in the balance and your life has been found out to be lacking as far as your ability to make the mark, to live up to the standard or to reach the high bar and the level God has set for you and will one day measure you by no matter how hard you may try, no matter what... uh, uh, how much energy you may exert or what kind of an effort you may put forth uh, to obtain righteousness on your own and by yourself, you will miss the mark. You will fall short. You will come up less than uh, and, and under the standard that God has set for you to be measured by. No matter what you do, the truth is you will fail. You will falter and you will fall short. Why? Because you do not have the ability within the strength of your own life to live up to the standard, the requirement, and the expectation a holy God has set forth for your life. Psalm 51, verse number 5, the psalmist wrote this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 5, verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death hath passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There are no exceptions. Uh, Amen. There's no kind of discrimination. God's not going to favor one man uh, over and above any other man. Amen. But He views us all the same, not in a good or a positive light. Amen. But He views us as we really are, and that's wicked, depraved, hell-bound sinners in need of a Savior. Wherefore, as by one man, Romans 5.12, Amen. uh, Sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death uh, hath passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Friend, I want to remind you today that before any human being ever makes the willful and voluntary choice, to commit sin in his or her life. They already stand condemned by God as sinners, first by nature and secondly by birth. You see, friend, the order and the pattern of sin in man's life is as follows. We are first sinners by nature, second sinners by birth, and finally we are sinners by choice. Before you ever make the first choice to commit any individual act of sin, you are already viewed to be a condemned sinner in the eyes of God. First of all by nature, then by birth, and then finally by choice. We might say it this way, we're already sinners before we ever commit our first sin. And in the sight of God, we're not sinners because we sin, but we commit sin because we already possess a sinful nature that gives us both the ability and the desires to commit individual acts of sin. How about this one? The sinful acts we commit are byproducts and fruit of the sinful seed and the sinful root that already dwells within our hearts and lives from the very moment of conception and continues Uh, on until the very day we die. May I say to you today, uh, friend, that's what uh, makes Jesus uh, the life of Jesus. But not only uh, His sinless life, but how about His sinless conception and His sinless birth. Amen. Uh, I want to remind you that Jesus was miraculously and supernaturally born and conceived in and by Uh, not sinful men, uh, but by the Holy Ghost. And anybody uh, that would deny uh, the virgin birth, uh, the supernatural conception, uh, and the supernatural uh, birth and incarnation of Jesus, not by way of sinful and fallen men, amen, uh, but Jesus was conceived in and by the Holy Ghost. Anyone who would deny that, uh, amen, is a false teacher, and a false prophet. I'm telling you, in order for Jesus to be able to save man uh, from his sins, not only did Jesus have to live a sinless life, but He had to to be conceived and birthed in a sinless and a supernatural way. And the only uh, way that could happen, uh, amen, is uh, is for Christ to have been conceived without man. Amen. Jesus was conceived not uh, humanly. Uh, but divinely uh, as the Holy Ghost implanted uh, a sinless supernatural seed within the heart and in the womb of Mary, amen. And Jesus was conceived without sin. He was uh, born without sin. And uh, because of that, that sinful fallen depraved genetic uh, uh, seed that was passed down from uh, every generation ever since... Adam fell in the Garden of Eden. Uh, That sinful genetic seed of sin skipped a line with Jesus, and He was conceived, and He was born, and He lived a perfect life here and out, here on earth, totally free and without sin. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Listen, friend, the reason man does the awful things that He does, and the reason why He is committing or man is guilty of committing some of the unthinkable crimes and acts he commits is because inherently uh, and naturally within himself and apart from Jesus, man is totally and absolutely rotten to the core. Let me say that again, friend, if you're listening today and you're lost. And even if you're saved, before you got saved, Amen, you was rotten to the core. You were filthy, Amen. Uh, you were condemned. You were depraved, uh, Amen. You were dirty, Amen. You were uh, of no value or no use to God, Amen. Uh, there was nothing good about you. In your uh, hand, you had no price to bring. But simply to the cross you cling. The very best man can do, and the very best life man can live, is not enough and is insufficient especially in light of and according to the standards, the requirements, and the expectations set forth in His Word and according to His nature by a holy God. Isaiah 64 verses 6 and 7, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, they have taken us away, and there is none that calleth upon thy name there is none that stirreth up himself you don't even have the ability to stir yourself up to take hold of thee for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities here isaiah compares you listening to me friend if you're lost this is the way god sees you apart from jesus christ amen the best that you have to offer amen Uh, your good works and your righteous deeds that you want to uh, take pride in and and that everybody wants to pat you on the back for. Isaiah here is comparing the righteousness of man, uh, the good works of man, uh, and the absolute best man has to bring to the table before God uh, uh, and over him by way of the righteousness of his own flesh. Listen, Isaiah is comparing that and God is comparing it to an infection-filled rag and bandages, uh, a a big old pile of uh, uh, infection-filled rags and bandages that are oozing and dripping with pus that have been used to clean an open wound or sore. You think God's going to accept that? You think God's going to... Uh, God's going to be satisfied. You think God's going to let you into heaven when all He sees you as in yourself and apart from the blood of Jesus and away from the righteousness of Christ, all He sees you as are a a big old pile or lump of infection-filled rags and bandages that are just oozing and dripping with pus that have been used to clean an open wound or sore. No, my friend, He's not going to let you into heaven. He's not going to let your vile uh, carcass Amen. Your filthy, rotten self uh, contaminate and corrupt uh, a sinless, uh, glorious place called heaven. Amen. No, my friend, he will not accept you, but he will reject you as being insufficient and unsatisfactory uh, to the standard he set forth for you to live up to. There's a comprehension. Verse number eleven: There is none that understandeth. Boy, I'm having a good time preaching the word of God today. Here, Paul begins to describe uh, various aspects of man's fallen, depraved, and sinful state as he exists in the eyes of a holy God. In other words, in spite of the light or the way by which man wants and prefers to view himself, here we find some tangible and factual truths about man's sinful identity as they are revealed by God and described to us by the Apostle Paul. And I want to remind you today, friend, that you have this natural tendency to view yourself and to think of yourself and to look at yourself more highly uh, than you ought to think. But here in the book of Romans, chapter 3, Paul is providing us with a, a crystal clear view and picture of the way we are viewed and seen in the sight of a holy God. And friend, it's not a very pleasant or a pretty picture at all. Notice here how that the word none is used over and over again in our text beginning in verse 10 and continuing on down through verse 12. And here I believe Paul uses the word none a total of four times which I personally consider Uh, as a way to emphasize the all-inclusive and totality of God's assessment of man's fallen estate and his depraved condition. Listen friend, these verses describe how that man's whole and entire being is absolutely and totally controlled and saturated by sin. Every part of man, every part of humanity, every aspect of his makeup has been corrupted by sin. First of all, his mind is referred to in verse number 11. Uh, when Paul writes that there is none, listen to me today, there is none that understandeth. Then, secondly, man's heart, not just his mind, but man's heart is included in verse 12, where Paul writes that there is none, not just that understands God, but none that seeketh after God. And then finally, Paul mentions the will of man in verse number 13 when he says, excuse me, verse 12, uh, that there is none that doeth good. Amen. None that doeth good. So here we see, we find all three aspects of uh, man's The entire makeup as a creature that was created in the image and the likeness of a holy God. His mind, His heart, and His will. Amen. First of all, let's consider the mind of man where Paul writes in verse number 11 that there is none that understandeth. Here Paul writes regarding the natural ability uh, or inability. Man does not possess within his own uh, self to be able to comprehend or understand the spiritual truths of God. And we've already spent quite a bit of time uh, addressing this truth in previous broadcasts. But just in case you missed it, I want to remind you today that within Himself, friend, we uh, human beings do not even have the ability, let alone the desire, to be able to comprehend or understand spiritual things. And the reason for this is because the mind of God was corrupted, excuse me, the mind of man was corrupted and compromised by his fall into sin that took place way back in the Garden of Eden. And when man sinned in the Garden, the first part of his nature that was corrupted and compromised was his mind and his ability to think logically and reasonably regarding spiritual things. Amen. Friend, do you want to know why man comes up with all kinds of foolish ideas and notions about himself? Do you know why man, even though he has more knowledge today than he's ever had, even though he has uh, more intelligence than he's ever had, he's got more uh, education than he's ever possessed, and he has more access to more knowledge than than he ever has before in his existence. But yet still, man is more foolish. Uh, amen. He 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 has he may have more knowledge, friend. Man may uh, have more knowledge today than he ever has, but he's got less common sense. Some of the f- most foolish ideas and notions that man has created to convince himself, and that's the saddest part of all. That man really believes these things, Amen. Uh, and you know as well as I do that man always has been more prone to believe a lie than he will the truth. Man will go overboard to ignore and overlook the truth, and he'll but he'll be so quick to 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 swallow some uh, man made uh, foolish device that he has contrived within the depths of his own heart and his own man. How that man would ever stoop to the level of believing that he was created, uh, amen. uh, He came out of a monkey or an amoeba or a fish. Amen. In trying to elevate and magnify uh, his own identity, he's, he's insulted himself. Amen. Man was not, man did not naturally evolve from a monkey or a fish or a tadpole or an amoeba. Man was created uh, in the image and the likeness of a holy God. How man could uh, come up with this idea that it's alright for man, it's natural for man to fall in love with man or for a woman to, to uh, naturally be attracted to another woman. I mean, how foolish uh, and how stupid and how idiotic of a thing is that? To think that man... Uh, 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 can naturally change himself even though he was created to be a man but yet can reconstruct and recreate his own physical anatomy and turn himself into a woman. Really? What kind of foolish uh, uh, thing and foolish notion and and crazy idea is that? But the the reason man comes up with and concocts all of these crazy ideas foolish fancies vain imaginations, and devil doctrines. Amen. Because he has a depraved mind. Uh, Amen. He has a mind that has been corrupted and and has been compromised. And man no no longer possesses in his natural estate the ability to understand or comprehend spiritual truth. Amen. Uh, What we've got to understand here that when truth is being spoken or given out, it's as if God is on one channel and man is on an entirely different channel or frequency. But in order for man to be able to understand truth, his mind must be enlightened, his eyes must be illuminated, and the way he thinks and reasons within the confines of his own mind must be reprogrammed so that he can think along the same lines as truth and as the one that's given it out. It's almost as if when man fell into sin, you listen to me today, the computer hard drive of his mind crashed and now anytime man tries to process spiritual information through the motherboard of his own mind, it's almost as if everything short circuits. Amen. It's almost as if man blows a fuse in his mind because when man fell into sin, he lost the natural capacity to process or digest spiritual truth. So in order for man's mind to be able to process truth once more, God has to send a technician in the form of the Holy Ghost to do a reinstall and a reprogram on man's mind so that he will once again be able to process, comprehend, and understand truth in a right and a correct way. And how God uh, does this is by way of the convicting, the illuminating, and the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost, which in essence changes man's mind and gives him a new mind that the Bible refers to as the mind of Christ. That may not be popular preaching, but it is Bible preaching today. Detection, verse 11, there is none that seeketh after God. Here Paul reveals to us how that not only was man's mind and his thoughts corrupted by his own falling into the depravity of sin, but also his hearts, his emotions, and his desires, his cravings uh, were uh, uh, corrupted uh, and compromised as well. And whereas before the fall, man had a desire to know God, but after the fall, man no longer naturally uh, possessed Uh, the desire of the ability to want to have anything to do with God whatsoever. And I believe this is illustrated by way of what took place uh, immediately after the fall. Whereas before, man had a desire to fellowship with God. Man had a desire, uh, amen, to spend time with God. Man wanted to walk and talk with God. And what's more amazing is that God would want to spend time with us, that God would want to fellowship with us, and that the God of heaven would want anything to do with us and to even have a desire to give us the time of day. But after the fall, and here here it is, this is a picture of redemption, Even even after man fell into sin, and God already knew that man fell into sin. God still sought after God, God still came looking for man. God still wanted something to do with man. I mean, you would think that immediately after man chose to to fall into sin, that man, God would have immediately abandoned His creation. He would have left man once and for all. He would no longer have uh, come uh, calling after man as He had done done so before while man existed in a state of innocence. But still after man fell, God still came calling on man. God still came looking for man. God still came wanting to talk to man and wanted to spend time with man. Amen. And wanted to have fellowship with man even though man fell into sin. But how did man react and how did man respond to God's offer? Well, instead of coming running to meet Him and saying, Oh Lord, would You help me? Oh God, I've sinned. Oh God, I've failed You. Oh God, something's different than it was before. No. Instead of running towards God, man chose to run run away from God and he hid himself from God. Amen. And that represents... Amen. The fallen uh, characteristic of man's nature now that he, uh, he had become depraved, not only in his mind, but also in his heart, in his emotion, and in his affections, and in his desires. Instead of wanting to fellowship with God, instead of wanting to be drawn close to God, man wanted to hide from God, and he didn't want anything to do with God. And friend, I want to remind you that in your flesh, you do not, your flesh, even after you're saved, if you walk in the flesh, Flesh, you won't come to God. You'll run away from God. You'll hide from God. You'll try your best to stay as far away from you can as God. Because again, it's part of who you are uh, in your Adamic, sinful, and fleshly form. Amen. Uh, See, friend, in, in his natural fallen, depraved, and sinful state, not only has man's mind been corrupted by the fall, but his heart has been as well. And not only has the fall of man caused man to naturally not be able to understand or comprehend anything about God, but it's also caused man to not want anything to do with God either. And if you don't get anything else out of today's study, get this, without God's help, uh, without God, and as a sinner, no man in his fallen and depraved and sinful state naturally desires or wants anything at all whatsoever to do with God. Isaiah 53, verse number 2, And when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. Never forget this, friend. It never has been and it never will be normal for any sinner to ever have a natural desire for or a natural attraction to God. Sinners are not naturally attracted to God. Sinners are naturally attracted to sin. Why? Why? Uh, according to Isaiah, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And according to Paul here in Romans chapter three verse 10, there is none that seeketh after him. I'm telling you, friend, if you're fallen and, and, and if, if you are in a fallen and depraved state as a filthy, rotten good-for-nothing sinner, there's nothing in your heart that naturally causes you to desire, or be attracted to God. The truth is, it's about as natural and normal for a sinner to be attracted to God as as it is for a man to be attracted to another man. And it's about as normal for a sinner to be attracted to God as it is for a woman to naturally have a desire for another woman. Amen. That's why on his own and by himself, no man would ever love God without being loved first by God. And let me take it a step further. That's why... No man would ever naturally choose God in himself and on his own uh, unless he were first chosen by God. Now some of you are already getting your Holy Ghost undergarments in a wad. Uh, But before you do that, there does come a point in time to where every man has to make a free, moral, and voluntary choice as to whether or not he receives... Or rejects God's offer at salvation. But I'm just telling you friend. And I've got all kinds of Bible to back it up. You'll never just come to the decision on your own. Or by yourself to love God without Him first loving you. And you'll never just out of the blue one day come up with this idea or thought. To choose God unless you have first been chosen by Him first. He, we love Him because He first loved us. It's not of Him that willeth or runneth, but it's the Lord that showeth mercy. And it's He that worketh in you both the will and the desire to do His good pleasure. So let me say it like this, because of man's fallen, depraved, and sinful state when left with a choice as of whether or not to choose God or sin on his own by himself and without God's help, man will always choose sin over the Lord his God. Why? Because naturally, man is bent towards sin. Did you hear that today, friend? Without God, you are bent towards sin. Your heart is attracted to sin. And in himself, man's flesh finds the depths and the depravity of his own sin to be more attractive than a high and holy God. A perfect illustration we could use is a dog returning to his uh, own vomit or a sow that was washed, uh, once washed, Returning to his wallowing in the mulch and the mire and the mud. Friend, you can take a pig out of, the, out of the pig pen. Amen. You can lift him up out of the mud. You can clean him up. You can wash him all over. You can dress him up uh, and try your best to make him look like something different. But in his natural state, who he really is, that pig still has a craving uh, and a yearning uh, and a lust and a desire for the mulk and the mire and the mud of the pig pen, more He does the cleanness and the freshness, uh, amen, and the nourishment of the Father's house. Friend, and I'm telling you, if you're one of God's sons, you may become a prodigal, but there's going to come a day and a time to where that prodigal son comes to himself Amen. And that newfound nature and that newborn ins- instinct he received on the day he got born again, it's going to kick in. And all of a sudden, he's going to have a craving for the father's house. And he's going to realize that daddy's house and a place at the king's table as one of the king's sons is a whole lot better than walling around in the muck and the mire and the mud of the pig pen. Amen. Pigs will... It's just according to pigs' nature to choose filth, mud, malt, and mire and slop over the cleanliness and the freshness uh, of the Father's house. Amen. Man's heart is bent towards sin, and our flesh is attracted to sin just like an old piece of metal is naturally drawn to a magnet. You will never come to God on your own or by yourself. You'll never uh, just uh, freely and voluntarily wake up one day and decide, oh, I think I'm going to love God and get saved. You'll never draw yourself to God. But that drawing, that wooing, that choosing, that loving, that craving, that yearning, that wanting and that desire must, uh, may, must be implanted into your heart and soul by way of the new nature. And it comes through, by way of the Holy Ghost of God. There's a confusion Verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. Here we find how that by way of man's fall into sin, his moral compass is gone. And his ability to make good, sound, reasonable, and logical decisions simply does not exist. And all of these things really work together and go along with each other. And by that I mean that because man's mind has been corrupted and because his heart has become contaminated, so also has his ability to make good and sound choices. Or we might say it like this because fallen man no longer has the ability to think right or feel right, he also does not know how to write to do right or act right either. Amen. Do you ever wonder why people do stupid things? Let me take it this let me let me go this far. Do you ever wonder why you do some of the foolish things and make some of the crazy choices and decisions you make. Just like Paul said over in Romans chapter 7, he said, what I do, what I want to do, that's what I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Amen. Uh, Why? It's because of the law and the seed of sin and the nature of sin that dwells within your heart as a fallen creature. Amen. Again, sinners commit sin because they're already sinners. They were born sinners. They were conceived in sin. And because of the law and the root of sin that dwells in the heart of every sinner from the moment that he's conceived continues uh, uh, down through his birth and throughout the remainder and the continuance of his life, man makes wrong choices because of the law and the seed of sin that dwells uh, in the uh, down on the inside and in the depths of his heart and soul. Amen. Man makes stupid choices. Amen. Because not only was, uh, was his mind and his emotions corrupted by sin, amen, but also his ability to make good, sound, logical, and reasonable choices was uh, defiled as well. Amen. How we uh, think affects how we feel and how we feel Controls what we do. And in our fallen state, man's like a ship without a rudder. He is a vehicle without a steering wheel. Man, He's like a man out in the dark or in the wilderness without a compass, a light, or a map to help him get out and find his way back home. Bottom line, man in the fallen, depraved state of his sin merely exists in a state of confusion and chaos without any kind of direction, guidance, or purpose For life itself. If that's not a perfect way to describe our society today, I don't know what is. Friend, I'm talking about a world of chaos filled with all kinds and all sorts of people who are absolutely and totally confused, misguided. They're just like, uh, amen, zombies. They're trying to live and find their way without any sense of purpose or direction to help them navigate through the choppy waters of this world, just coasting along and floating down the river and along the freeway of life, being tossed and carried about by the wind, by the ebbs and flow of the currents and whatever track pa- traffic pattern the world creates. What You know what that is, friend? That's not a life. That's a mere existence. Somebody who's just floating along without any drive, any vision, or any purpose at all, because they have nothing or no one to help lead, guide, or help them to fulfill their purpose along life's journey. Estimation. They are altogether become unprofitable. So here we see how that because uh, man's mind, his heart, and his will have all been corrupted by sin, and because man no longer possesses within himself the ability, the natural ability to think, feel, or want to do the right thing. Because man's motor is broken. Because his, his ship's uh, uh, lost its sail. And because, uh, amen, it's rudder. Uh, and because the vehicle no longer has a steering wheel to guide or direct him. And because he no longer has a map, uh, a lamp, a light, or a compass to bring him up out of the depth and the depravity of his own darkness. In essence, man no longer has any worth or value to any one whatsoever, and that is especially in the sight of God. Friend, because in our fallen, depraved, and wicked condition, man is broken. And like I've already said, that's the best way to describe man in his fallen state. He's lost and he's broken. He doesn't work right and he doesn't function The way he was intentionally created to perform and operate by the Creator. Man's value has depreciated uh, in the sight of God and by himself and on his own. Uh, Amen. Man is absolutely and totally worthless. He's corrupted. Man is broken. He doesn't work right. He's of no use. He has no value. And all he's really good for is to be thrown into the garbage and turned over to the junkyard, burned up, left to rust and to rot in hell, uh, to fry in hell for the no good broken mess of a man that he really is. Uh, uh, Again, who we are as sinners, and when we understand what has happened to us ever since mankind fell into sin way back in the Garden of Eden, it just makes it that much more wonderful, marvelous and amazing of a thing that the God of heaven would want anything at all whatsoever to do with we sinners. Alone and by ourselves and without the help of a holy God, none of us sinners are good for anything but to be sent to the junkyard and to be thrown into the garbage can. Why? Because without God we're broken, we're messed up, we don't work, and we are worthless to God. Amen. Man doesn't want to portray himself that way. Man doesn't want to present himself in that light. Amen. We try to instill uh, high self-esteem. Amen. And we want to man to, to think highly of himself. And we want to boast in our own accomplishments. And we want to brag about ourselves. Amen. But friend, I'm telling you, it's time for humanity to humble himself in God's sight and to view himself for who he is. And that is apart from Christ, and without the help of a divine Creator, we are nothing. And we are totally worthless to God. Now the function. And we'll conclude with this today. There is none that doeth good. None. not Or no, not one. Here we find how that because of all these things that are broken about man in his fallen, depraved, and sinful state, whether it be his broken mind, his broken heart, or his broken will... And because man's thoughts, his feelings, and his ability to make decisions are all messed up, so also, and as a whole, man is broken. He will not work right. And he is just not able to function and operate uh, as he was designed to do uh, uh, so by his Creator. Amen. What man does is to try and fix himself, patch himself up, pull himself out, make himself over, reform himself, refix and make his own repairs into what he thinks to be a better version. But it's like just like doing a patch-up job on a tire. And it's just like a person trying to fix their own car without the help of a certified mechanic. Man can only do so much for himself and sooner or later, he's going to go back to doing the same things he's always done, causing the same problems as he's always caused, and carrying out the same bad habits that got him into trouble in the first place. Why? Because in his most in his most basic form, in his most basic essence and nature, what man needs is not a patch-up job. It's not a reform program or a quick fix to cover up the root, uh, amen, the fruit, Uh, 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 of the issue or the surface problem. But instead, man needs a complete overhaul. He needs a total remodeling. He needs a brand new recreating, a remaking of himself, not on his own, but from an outside source. And that's where salvation comes in. And that, my friend, is what we're going to talk about a little later on in the study. But I'm all preached out today. I've done my best to share these thoughts with you, and boy, it's not a pretty picture, amen, and it's not a a portrait that we like to look at and we'd like to ignore who we really are as we look in the mirror, uh, as we see ourselves the way God sees us. But my friend, before you can ever be brought up, amen, before you can be delivered, before you can be saved, you must view yourself as you are. You are sick, amen, you are broken, amen, you are messed up. Uh, Amen. You are lost and you've got to be found. You've got to be brought out. You're dirty. You've got to be cleaned up. And you can't do it on your own. But you need somebody to lift you up and make you into into what God would have you to be. And we're going to see in a few more lessons that God has a perfect plan. Amen. To overhaul our spiritual engines. Amen. Amen. He can reprogram our spiritual hard drives Amen. He can take away that old dirty hardened heart and He can give us a clean heart. Uh, 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 amen. One that's soft and tender and receptive. He can take that old uh, callous hardened will. Amen. That's hell bent on rebelling uh, and resisting God's will. He, he can give you a will that's drawn to Him and attracted to Him. Amen. And wants to be as near and as close to Him as you possibly can be. Heavenly Father, we love You today. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity, Lord, just to have this broadcast. And Lord, it might not have been any, uh, meant anything to anybody else. And it might not have helped anybody else, but Lord, it sure has been a help and a blessing to this old preacher. Lord, just to see myself as who I am. Lord, a no-good, filthy, rotten, wicked, vile sinner that ought to be thrown in the garbage and ought to be sent to the junkyard. But God, You took me out of that mulch and the mire of the sin. Amen. You changed my life. You gave me a new nature. you Lord, you, you gave me a new mind. Lord, a new heart and a new will. And Lord, now I'm operating better than I've ever operated. And I'm functioning, Lord, more close to the original design of the clocksmith and the Creator God. And Lord, I'm not always ticking like I need to be. But I'm ticking better than I used to be. And one of these days, Lord, I'm going to tick. And I'm going to work. And I'm going to function and operate just according to the design of the master creator and the master architect Lord thank you for a good month right here on the trumpet series bible study Pro- broadcast be with us as we enter into next month grant us favor god keep the door open Lord give us Lord expand our audience God give us more viewers and more listeners and most of all get more glory bring more glory to your name and lord allow lives to be changed not by anything this this worthless sinner this Good for nothing, preacher says, but God, would you see fit to change the lives of men and women through your holy, infallible, and inerrant, inspired Word of God. We'll praise you for what you're going to do by way of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell somebody about Jesus today. Have a great weekend. Go to church on Sunday, and we'll see you you back right here uh, on Monday. Uh, excited about another edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Program. Have a great day. God bless.